turn to number 966 before we begin. Have you been at the Richmond Church of Christ on a random November Sunday, about 2013, I believe it was? There was a man who was a friend of Mike Johnson, who was a preacher. His name was James Franklin. Now, John, I can't remember what that. His son was James. And uh, his son played football. He was quarterback at the University of Missouri. And Missouri played at UK on that Saturday evening. And so their family was there. And the man came and spoke at the church service the next morning. He was, uh, he was from Texas, I believe, where they live. But Mike went to school with him, I think. But uh, before, he, before he preached, he led a song, and it's over 966 in the book. It's called Amen. Now, if you're looking at this, you might think, well, that's kind of confusing. But it's really simple. But you got a part, and I got a part. And I told uh, Mary, I'm nervous about it, because my part is more than bigger than your part. But if you don't do your part, it's just me up here singing, and you're, I'll be really nervous singing. So, if you look at this, the numbers are really only important for me, okay? The amen part across the bottom is what's important for you. So we're going to sing that bottom line a couple of times, and then you just have to keep singing that, okay? You just have to keep singing. You can do this, and then I will do my part, and I hope I don't fail miserably. So, uh, Al, you look nervous. So it'll, it'll be fine. All right. <laughs> Alright, so we're just singing when it says 1 9 across the bottom. You can sing with me and then I'll leave you alone in a minute. Amen.
So there are, yeah, uh, no, I'm good, man. I don't need it. So there are a, uh, yeah, I'll take it just in case. Uh, there are about a million people that are better at what I just saying than I did, but I do appreciate you uh, uh, participating with me. I think some of our amens were uh, in different spots, which uh, uh, was a little bit different. I didn't know what I was singing half the time either. So, uh, but this morning, we are going to talk about the word amen. Okay? And have you ever thought about the word amen? Because I'm guessing that most of us probably haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about amen. Because when, a few moments ago, when Ben read and then he said his prayer, he said amen. And in fact, some people probably said amen with it. But some people probably just heard Ben say that. And the same thing with Jameson there a minute ago. We kind of heard that amen. Uh, and it's, you know, it's like the check mark at the, at the end of the prayer, so to speak, that we sometimes use it. But have you ever really thought about what does the word amen sort of mean? Well, I feel like when I hear something that sort of moves me, I will use the word amen. But I use it in a lot of different ways. You know, one time... At school, our, uh, the principal said something that I had been wanting us to do for a long time. And I responded to him, amen. Well, that's not a church situation, but I think he understood what I was, you know, where I felt on the situation. But sometimes music can move you to an amen. Now, I don't know if this past song did, but there is an old French lady from back in the early 1900s. And there's some recordings of her. Her name is Edith Piaf. And if you ever hear anything from her, you'll sing Amen. There's a song that's English translation is smooth, uh, but there's uh, it, it's in French. I don't speak French. I had two years of, I was registered of two years in French class at Garrett County High School in the late 90s, but that doesn't mean I speak French. But you can tell how emotional her song, her singing is right there. You, if you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, when they're sitting around waiting on the attack. And that's the song that's playing on the, uh, on the phonograph uh, right there. But we use that word as sort of a, in, in a way, it's like that I was moved by that, perhaps. In some ways, though, that word doesn't really get used a whole lot. Because if you think about it, how many times a week do you say the word Amen. Well, it's probably directly proportional to the amount of times you pray. For most of us, we conclude our prayers with amen, but we probably don't say it too much beyond that. But it can be used in a lot of different ways. Today, we're going to look at three ways in which amen is used in the scriptures. First of all, amen is used in the Bible when making an assertion. Okay? So, amen means like truly or certainly or so be it. If you assert something, you know, uh, like my example with the principal a minute ago, that's me in agreement. I, I am uh, asserting that right there. And it emphasizes maybe an important statement. Uh, it gives it maybe a stamp of approval. You might think of it that way. In Matthew chapter 6, there's a lot of scriptures here, so you might want to keep your Bible handy to be able to refer to it because they're not going to be on the, on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to jump around just a little bit, but this is during the course of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, 
We read, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. Now skip to verse 5, a couple verses down. And when you pray, you shall not be like those hypocrites. He mentioned those a second ago in, the first, in verse 2. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. When I read that verse, when I was a student at UK in the early, early 2000s, the first thing that caught my eye is right down the hill from the classroom building where we would eat. When you walked out of the place to eat to go back up to the classroom building, there was always a man standing there preaching. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But his whole goal seemed to be to yell at college students about everything that they were doing wrong. Brian mentioned a minute ago efforts of, you know, how to effectively win over people. And it seemed like his whole goal was to just get into an argument with people. And I just usually walked on because I didn't really care and I was, you know, trying to get to class or whatever. But whenever he would speak, I think he was there speaking so that people would know that he was there speaking. I'm not convinced that he was there to try and convert anybody. I don't really even know what his teachings was because it was so volatile and so angst-ridden that after he stood there for 30 seconds, it's like, man, I don't know if I'm a Christian based if this is what it is. The Bible says, Jesus says there, I say to you, those people that are out there, they're praying, they just want you to hear them. They want to be on the street corner. They didn't stand up and say, he says, they'll have their reward. But skip to verse 16, uh, about 10 verses down. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. We've heard that word three times with the sad, sad continents. Uh, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear before men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. I say that for just a second. Uh, we, pl- we plug that in there because when we want to assert something, when Jesus used that word, amen, these people aren't being assertive. These people, in a sense, are being sort of trickery in what they're doing. They're trying to make themselves be something that they're not. That last verse, fasting. They're, they're not really fasting. You know, put a little makeup here and there. You've seen movies. You've seen people that, yeah, I didn't even recognize the actor because they put so much makeup. You can do that kind of stuff to make yourself look different than what you are. Sometimes we read in John, we can see what maybe a amen in like a corrective way. In John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, and amen is translated differently in different places, and that's uh, something to keep in mind. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked a fantastic question right here. I would imagine that if you're really trying to read the Bible in its most literal sense, you'd agree with what Nicodemus is saying right there. How can a man be born again if he's already old? Jesus answered. He says, can he be, or the, Nicodemus says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I would hope you would say amen to that because that's an assertive statement that is made right there. You're in a, that's an assertion that's been made. That's a statement that needed to be heard. Nicodemus asked a very valid question right there. One that you and I might realistically have to face ourselves if somebody were to ask it. And Jesus didn't say, that's a dumb question. 
He didn't say, how can you be so wrong? He said, I'm just saying you had to be born again. I can see where that would be confusing. He says, unless man is born again of the water and the Spirit. He explained his reason, his answer right there. Amen is sometimes used in praise of the Father and of the Son. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory and forever. Amen. The word amen is used hundreds of times. I didn't count it. I guess I could have looked it up, but honestly, I kind of forgot to look up the actual number. But it's used often uh, in Romans eleven thirty six as an example of it. Another example, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Jude 25. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. It's a forceful statement that sort of ends what you're trying to get out there. Everything that we looked at here was a valid point that people needed to be told. The scripture's full of validity and points that needed to be professed to other people. And when you put that amen on the end of it, you're not saying, well, look at me or look what I can do. You're saying, look what I had just read. Those are all words from Jesus Christ. Okay? Look what that says. Number two, amen is used in the Bible when offering consent. You, know, you may have heard of a consent form before, permission slip, if you will. You know, in the state of Kentucky, the marriage age is 18. But it used to be, I don't know if it still is or not, used to you go to Tennessee and get married at a younger age. Probably some people in here that may know people that got married in Jellico, Tennessee, right? Every time I go to Tennessee, we go over the hill at Jellico. I think I probably half the people I meet know what my family tree was married right here. You could be 16 there instead of 18. The consent was different. The age of consent. When we think about what that means is consent is permission for something to happen. The word amen is used in a consent form often throughout the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 5, which we just read, uh, we read part of there just a second ago. If you want to turn back to the Old Testament, Nehemiah 5 verse 7. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. So we set the stage there just a little bit. Usury, you know, charging interest on money that you've loaned uh, to people. Skip down to verse 12. So they said, we will restore it and we will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and required an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. So the priest said, we've made some mistakes. We're going to fix this situation. Verse 13, which we read there before class. Then I shook out the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. He said, you're telling me you're going to pay these people back. You're going to give them their money back. But if you say you're going to do this and you don't, I'm going to shake you out. I like the language right there. I'm going to shake you out from God, from this house, from his property. I'm shake, God's going to shake you out as well. Even thus, may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did exactly what their promise was. They gave consent for that statement. They said, we, that permission is there for that. We've done wrong. This needs to be fixed. Now, 
when we think about doing wrong in our lives, that needs to be fixed as well. We have to fix that. Jameson mentioned that in, in what he was saying there just a moment ago about the, uh, here speaking at the table. When he said we have the knowledge that when we make a mistake, we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's a great comfort. We talked about that on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago. That's a great comfort for us. We should be thankful. We should throw out amens in that situation. The third, amen is used in the Bible when making petitions. When the U.S. Constitution was written back in the late 1700s, after it was written, not everybody was in agreement with it. In fact, there was a portion of the country, the South in particular, that was in deep disagreement with things that weren't in the Constitution. Imagine Southerners being upset with things, governmental, that's hard to believe. All right? They said, we're not going to vote for this unless there's some changes made. That's what we have today called the amendments. And the First Amendment, which you may be familiar with, gives you freedom of speech, it gives you freedom of press, gives you freedom to be right here, and also freedom to choose not to be right here. But it also gives you the freedom to petition. And amen in the Bible is used when making petitions. Do we know what a petition is? A petition is a request, an ask. A lot of times we think about petitions like a sheet of paper. We want this change, and I try to get as many people to sign it as possible. Sometimes when you run for, you know, when you run for an office or something's going to be voted for, if you get enough signatures, they'll put it on the ballot, maybe. You're asking for someone who is over you to grant what you would like to have done. Now let's think about that in a religious sense. Who is over us? To God, right? And we ask our prayers to God through Jesus. Those are our petitions. That's asking of a request. On Wednesday night a few weeks ago, we talked about prayer. And we talked about how sometimes we think prayer, you know, it's, it's kind of like the drive through. I want this, and I think I get one of these, and two of these. But prayer really should be more about that relationship rather than the request. But whenever we petition God, we're, we're speaking to God about something. We're asking for something. We might be thankful for something, but it's a petition. Amen is frequently used at the end of prayers. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, we read, this is through kind of what's end of what's called the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. But he ends it by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, period. Amen, period. Okay? We studied that on Wednesday night a few weeks ago as well. That amen sort of puts that final point on. This is what our petition is. This is what we're asking for. Sometimes it's used, uh, just again, it's used in prayer, but let's go a little bit further. Public prayers should be heard and understood. You know, when we talk about prayer, we talk about what we are looking for in prayer. Well, as a Christian, we're taught to pray. And we pray for any number of reasons. We pray, we pray because people are sick. We pray because people are hurting. We pray because we're hurting. We pray for comfort for people. We pray for people that maybe have reached the end of their life. That there be comfort in those final stages. And for those family members who will survive after that person has reached the end of their life. That there be comfort as well. We're asking for something to be done to sort of help. A lot of times those are our private prayers. When we pray in public, 
maybe in front of this audience right here, when we pray in public, we need to be understood. You know, Brent talked about speaking in tongues here a, a, a while back. And the idea of speaking in tongues and just become something that nobody can understand. We're not benefiting anybody in that situation. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all right. But public prayers should be heard and understood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to look at two or three different verses here to sort of wrap things up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 16, we read, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit... How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? If I'm praying in front of this crowd, I'm praying, I'm the one praying, but I'm praying on behalf of the audience that's right here. If I'm talking about something that doesn't make sense or I'm trying to you know, use a language or words that doesn't make sense, how do you have any access to that? Have I truly prayed with you in mind? If somebody who doesn't understand, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16, the uninformed, they don't know what you're praying about. Have you benefited them in any way? Go a little further. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 10 verses down, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. It should be done to sort of build up. If we're all coming in here, you know, while Brian was speaking, if every one of us talked the whole time, what are we getting from this? You can't get anything. I appreciate you being quiet while I'm talking, but there's probably people in this audience that can talk about this a lot better than me. But if you try to talk about it at the same time I'm talking, this recording would be terrible, and you would have leave, you would leave here saying, I have no idea what's going on. When we read the Bible, it says all things should be done in order, right? When we're speaking, when we're praying, when we're giving a prayer, you need to be listening. All right? I'm praying on behalf of you. Ben was praying on behalf of you. Jameson was praying on behalf of you. But you need to be thinking about it. That's not, boy, I already think about change groups. All right? That's not what that prayer time is. That prayer time is he's speaking on behalf of me. I need to be thinking. I need to be maybe even amening, even if it's silent, while that prayer is taking place. Skip down seven more verses, 33. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. We read something you've all read before. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Church should be a peaceful time. There should not be any confusion. Now, does that mean that you may not understand what the preacher is talking about? Maybe. That's when you come talk to the preacher afterwards. I got a question. But it shouldn't be chaos and, and, and calamity and nonsense and any other word that you might. Our job for however long it's been set aside by the elders is to come here and worship. I would say amen to that as well. Fine. As we said a minute ago, amens are used for three things. Powerful assertions, consent to the promises and the requirements of God, and expressing agreements with the sentiments of prayer. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus identifies himself as the amen, the faithful, the true witness. Now, I don't have all, I've got verses, but I'm not going to read them all. But Jesus is the truth. We read that in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
There's truth can be found in Jesus. There's any number of verses that could be used for that. Ephesians 4, 21, John 1, 17 and 18. Keep going. As God, his word is powerful. And he is the amen, as you can see right here, the faithful, the true witness. So can you say amen to what's been taught? Can you assert that what Jesus did was worthwhile? Can you consent to Christ and give your life over to God? And can you express thankfulness for the opportunity that exists for you to go to heaven? My favorite amen in the Bible takes the entire Bible to get to. If you wanted to read all the way from start to where my favorite amen is, I'm asking you to read the whole Bible. Revelation chapter 22 is the last thing in the Bible. Unless you got a dictionary or something on the back end of it. Revelation chapter 22, and I'd like for you to turn there with me. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. The two, word, the two verses before that are something of a warning. That's what the Bible describes it as being a warning. In verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things, that's what we've just read in this whole scripture. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. That's in the red, that's Jesus talking in the book of Revelation. Surely I am coming quickly. And the writer of Revelation says, Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And in the next verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The two best amens right there are the amen that we give knowing that Jesus Christ is coming soon because he's coming soon for us. And here's the thing. I can't tell you biblically what day Jesus is coming. You know, we can't pinpoint June 12, you know, 19, you know, 2005. We can't do that. But we hear and see Jesus coming quickly for people every single day. And if we knew when Jesus was coming, we wouldn't be as interested until the day that he was coming. But our time can end at any moment. We hear it every day. 99 years old, 25 years old, and everywhere in between. But if our heart is right, if we've asserted, if we've consented, if we've expressed We'll follow it up with what it says there. Even so, come quickly. Amen. Whatever we can do for you in any way that makes you give an amen to what Christ has done for us, if it may be baptism, if it may be uh, prayers of the church, if it may be help in any way, whatever we can do, we invite you to come. Understand? God is calling the brother of
Bye.